Welcome to Mixed Company. Bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hi everybody and welcome back to Icons, Rockstars and Innovators brought to you by the Advertising Club of New York in partnership with my team Mixed Company Podcast. As you know, I'm the co-host and co-producer of Mixed Company, Kai Devereaux Lawson, and I am here with a rock star in her own right, Miss Tiffany Edwards. Hi, Kai. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm better because I'm here with you. Yes. It's always a good time. <laughs> so we're going to try to get through this with, without having too many uh, fun club moments. Um, so as you know, we're here with the Advertising Club discussing the golden era of black advertising. Um, so before I even get into that, I want to hear a little bit about your journey so that people get some context as to what kind of perspective you'll bring to this conversation. Absolutely. So my journey with advertising is actually an interesting one. I was one of those that stumbled into the industry okay. by mistake. Um, I actually started my career in the industry at the One Club okay. for Art and Copy, opening entries for their One Show Award show. Oh. So we're talking about 18,000 packages from around the country and the world. Um, posters, <laughs> tapes. It was work. It was work with the cue at the end, work. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but the amazing part of it was I had always been in love with advertising as a mm -hmm. kid and I didn't know what it was called. Mm -hmm. I used to clip ads out of magazines and save them in a scrapbook. Mm -hmm. So it was really amazing to me to understand that there were actually people and companies behind yeah. this work. And so that was my first entry point to the One Club. Um, from that role, I grew into their event planner, mm -hmm. um, then from there a special project manager, and then eventually into the education and diversity director. So amazing amazing kind of entry point to the industry. Amazing, amazing. And you actually did a stint here at the Advertising Club, I didn't did. you? I did. I did as well. So from the One Club, um, I helped develop their um, One Club Creative Boot Camp and they hear all the black people program. Um, I was there for about seven years and then the Ad Club called me, actually Gina Grillo, um, and let me know about this new amazing program they were starting called I Am Part. Amazing. Um, and asked me to come and help develop that. So, you know, I felt like the One Club was in a solid place and the programs were running solidly. So I hand the rain, handed the reins over to my amazing Aunt Tracy Smith we keep it in the family, um, and came here to the Ad Club where I worked for about three years as well. Amazing, and I'm part is actually, uh, has actually evolved into the fellowship, which actually I'm a part of Yay. for 2018-2019. So beyond our friendship, we actually have a lot more ties than we can probably even speak about. Absolutely. <laughs> so even with that, like I said, we're talking about the golden age of black advertising. Yes. I wanna get from your perspective, are there any innovations that you can think of uh, from the, not that you were there, but just from just from the history lessons from the late 1960s to the early 90s um, that came out of black advertising that we should be celebrating this Black History Month. Absolutely, to your point, we were not personally there, but the, the foundation and the work that they laid mm -hmm. by creating these spaces that were for us, by us. I know mm -hmm. FUBU still rocks <laughs> with me. Um, but that is- We should that, give a shout out it to is. FUBU. FUBU like. is, yes, it was, it allowed me to grow up as a little chocolate girl um, in a world where all the Barbies were still blonde mm -hmm. and all the shows were still 90210 and see images reflected that right. made me feel proud of my heritage. And actually, some of the um, ads that were created by these yep. agencies that were started in the golden era were part of my scrapbook. So my favorite one I still have to this day and remember is a Coca-Cola ad that was oh. in Jet Magazine. It's so cheesy, but it was when they took the straws and made them like dreads mm -hmm. for the bottle and had them wearing Tim's. And I, 
thought that was the coolest thing at the time. <laughs> Such a small little cultural nuance, but those moments really did reflect with me and kind of stay with me as I grew up. So Amazing. I am so appreciative of the work and the foundation that they laid for us to be here today. So resonance, to your point, is very important and has been, especially during the golden era of black advertising. You, however, have done a really good job of continuing that thread of giving people the, the opportunity to see themselves um, that I've actually had the uh, pleasure of being a part of and watching, and that is with uh, the Culture Code series that you did quite a few years back, right? Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So the Culture Code series was developed as a part of the Madison's Collective's output. Um, and the whole purpose behind it was actually myself and Benga Obafemi knew all of these stories that our friends in the industry had shared with us, whether they were traumas or awkward moments. Um, that we One in the same. Yes, it's, sometimes they go together, <laughs> typically they do. Um, and so, <laughs> definitely both. So, you know, we really wanted to find a way to, and every time those stories were told to us, they yeah. felt like therapy. Mm. So we wanted to find a way to kind of share those stories out with the rest of the industry and let them know not only are you not alone in these moments, mm -hmm. but there are learnings that can be had um, that make these conversations a little less awkward and race-based. So we called it Culture Code, and they literally are just awkward moments that happen in the workplace based on cultural differences or people not knowing better or trying to do better. Um, one of my favorite stories is actually yours. <laughs> when you talk about being the only black girl in the agency and being singled out as they want to try to figure out how to twerk. Everybody wanted and to know how, how to twerk. And how you dusted out of that room so well, fast. You but Listen, <laughs> that would have been the day to start running track as fast as I got out of that room. But I, I just wanted young people of color in this industry to know that microaggressions are real. You're not crazy. It did happen. They did try it. And there is a way to stand up for yourself and keep it moving forward without, you know, losing like it and slightly embarrassed over a table. that we even brought up. But yeah. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's amazing, right? The golden Absolutely. era of black advertising brought you guys to Culture Code. Culture Code yes. actually led to the start of Mixed Company Podcast. And we're here today doing Absolutely. this series. So it, that's amazing. It brought us into the room. I mean, Tom Morell was the first black ad man in Chicago. So exactly. for him to be the first allowed us to be the second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, thousandth, and hopefully more. Amazing. So it's actually interesting that you bring up Tom Morell because you know, in this space of diversity and inclusion, and as we talk about uh, multicultural agencies, there are quite a few that are still here and thriving today. Absolutely. Burrell Agency is one to name. Um, we have Uniworld, there's also Carol H. Williams. Mm -hmm. Why do you think they have lasted or sustained themselves so long, um, and why are they so relevant in, uh, today's, um, in today's business? Because I think, and again, quoting Tom Burrell, he always said that for general market advertising agencies, they needed to understand that black people are not just dark-skinned white people, mm. meaning there are nuances to our culture. There is so much rich history and kind of just, um, what is that term that's always used now that's so important? I have to go backwards. Oh, Sorry. Like, Man, I wish Why I'd... can't I think of this? You know what I'm saying. Ugh. I, I, girl. It's in my head. Okay. It's gone. Anyway, I'll go back. We'll get Sorry. it. <laughs> so. So as Tom Burrell um, mm -hmm. used to say, you know, black people are not just dark-skinned white people. So, you know, general market agencies would tend to do yeah. kind of basic research, you know, black people like this, they like mm -hmm. that. Um, but they didn't always understand the cultural nuance, right. the rich history, the things that made us 
the proud context, of who we are, right. the context connected to our families, to our communities. So I think that agencies have done a beautiful, these um, diverse agencies have done a beautiful job of not only merging um, marketing with art and commerce, yep. but also with telling true stories and authentically representing ourselves and our people in a way that's not always based on stereotypes. And I think that's why they're still here today because just as much as I needed to see this little girl, so do the kids coming up now and the next generations. Exactly. And then it's interesting because even the idea of culture and culture and nuance, you know, in the 1960s and the 70s, and even through the 80s and 90s, there's a collective feeling of empowerment Absolutely. amongst a whole bunch of people, mm -hmm. primarily of Black people. It's obviously it's why we celebrate Black History Month today. Do you feel that there are any similarities to that time period of the golden era of Black advertising and advertising as we know it today? I think yes, and that we're finally going back to embracing ourselves in our natural states. Um, you know, I think that we went right. I was going to say us with our big, beautiful, curly hair that keeps touching the microphone. Um, <laughs> no, but I think that you know, I think the ads that I looked at back in the '70s. I still have a few of my grandmother's like old Ebony magazines mm. that I like to keep just because I think it, history is so cool. But you saw the afros and the yeah. beautiful sheen on the hair and the you know the long, beautiful curls, and you know people were embracing their blackness. It yeah. was during an era when the movement was so strong to really be heard and seen and respected. And I think that we're coming back to that. You know, when I was first entering my career, you know, I was told by, you know, people that I couldn't get a job unless I straightened my hair and got rid of my, you know, thick twists and mm. unless I, you know, just kind of assimilated a bit more. And now more than ever, I'm so proud of my heritage. I see so many people around us being proud of their heritage. Yeah. I walk around my agency and around the industry and see women with braids and curls and twists and TWAs, teeny weeny afros, mm -hmm. and you know, just expressing themselves and representing themselves. And I feel like that's going back to what it felt like back in you know the golden era when black was beautiful and we were representing it and not adjusting it to assimilate. Amazing. Well, Tiffany, thank you so much for sharing thank your you perspective with me. us today. And thank you all for watching this content series. It's been amazing having this conversation Absolutely. with you. And hopefully you guys have the opportunity to hear more. Yep.